When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Good morning and welcome to episode 73 of the Jaguar Report podcast. My name is Gus Logue, joined as always by my co-host John Shipley. How are you doing, John? I'm doing good. I'm doing good. It's already a bit of a weird week with uh, them playing on Monday next week. It's already kind of shifted things around, but right. I'm doing good, man. I uh, I enjoyed the, the heck out of Sunday. I thought just from like a fan of the game, you know, I thought it was one of the better NFL games I've watched this year. Totally. Uh, it's great that Stroud, Offensive Rookie of the Year, 69, and all the similar Twitter accounts take any perceived slight and run with them. Dude, f- sports fans have become the worst part on Twitter. It's it's becoming bad, man. You you say like a half compliment, and yeah. Yeah, you, you you compliment somebody and it becomes a slight and it's 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 crazy. It's crazy. But no, nah, do do it good, man. How you doing, my friend? <laughs> I'm doing good. I think I've been a little bit less online than you have in the past twenty four hours, so I'm doing great. Uh it was definitely a really good game to watch. Uh the Eagles Bills game kind of took the stole the show for like the whole slate of games, but Jaguars Texans definitely lived up to all the hype. I feel very vindicated for the second week in a row, so can't complain. Yeah, 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 yeah. Every week's a Calvin really week. You're right. Oh, that's not even what I was talking about, but yeah, sure, I'll take credit for that. 50% of the time. It's right 100% of the time. <laughs> well, that was true for the first half of the season, but now it's like, I mean, you know what the second half of the season means for the Jaguars. They, uh, it's, it's like a, it's a real trend now because a couple weeks ago I was like, eh, like it's kind of like a you can't actually rely on like second half of season production and like just assume that the Jags are going to go on the stretch similar to the way that they did last year. But I mean, we're kind of starting to see it unfold right in front of our eyes. Yeah. I mean, Doug Peterson has them there. They were 11 and three in November, December and January. Under Doug, I mean, no 11 and four in December, November and January and Doug Peterson, which, you know, the, the beauty of the NFL is that every game, does matter but you would definitely prefer to get hot at the end of the year and start playing your best football at this time of the year than you know playing good football at the beginning of the season and they've that's definitely what they've shown you know i mean of those four losses two came in kansas city last year to the super bowl champions one came against the 49ers this year just a complete buzzsaw of a game and then one came last year on the road against a surging Lions team that started to resemble more so this year's Lions team than their record last year indicated. So 
I mean, they, they've definitely figured out how to play their best ball at the right time of the year, which I, I think is the biggest thing, you know, for, from yesterday is the fact that, yeah, like losing a divisional game in week three and losing it in the manner they did is obviously unideal, but it's much more important to get that win later in the year. Totally. I, I remember after like weeks two and three that someone in the media room was like, oh, it, thank goodness they lost this game or these two games because like it would have been bad news if they had like won these and like had been like peaking at the wrong time. And like it was said as a joke and it was like funny as a joke, but like there's definitely a little bit of truth to that too. It's like you don't want to – not so much that you don't want to peak too early, but you just want to make sure you're peaking at the right time. The Jags definitely seem to be – peaking right now they won 24 to 21 was the final score if you didn't catch it uh, i guess we can start off with jaguars offense against texans defense what did you see from that matchup john they like super, super explosive offense they had i think it was four plays of over 40 yards all you know passing plays big plays in the screen game big plays downfield and in terms of yards after the catch i think they said yesterday that like, they had more yards after the catch yesterday. They said in the broadcast than they had in all the 10 games previously combined. So, obviously, you know, the, it looked like the offense has really found its footing in the last two weeks. And, like, I think quality of opponent obviously has something to do with it because the, the Texans okay. and Titans, like, they clearly aren't the 49ers defense, but – I mean, the Jags offense the last two weeks, Trevor Lawrence has the highest EPA per play of any quarterback in the last two weeks. He was number two this week, only behind Dak Prescott, who had like four touchdowns and almost 400 yards on Thanksgiving against a team that fired its defensive coordinator the next day. <laughs> uh, they, they've allowed one sack in the last two weeks, and that one sack was Lawrence like scrambling and running out of bounds like short of the line of scrimmage. Right. I mean, really, like the only thing I can say yesterday that's like a negative about the offense is some of the drops. And I like otherwise, like if you would just like eliminate like half of the drops they had yesterday, like Kirk, I can understand losing that one in the sun. I'm not yeah. sure how the sun gets into that. <laughs> like yeah. it's a dome. <laughs> window, wasn't it? <laughs> the, literally the one part of the field where sun is at. And it was... <laughs> hey, that's just how accurate 16 is. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. And then. Derek Stingley made a great play against Zay Jones on that third down to force him out of bounds. But, I mean, just three drops off the top of my head. Evan Ingram drop, a Dearness Johnson drop on the last drive that probably would have got like 10 or so yards, and then Calvin Ridley's drop touchdown. Lawrence is pretty close to having like a 400-yard day, dude. Yeah, dude. It's crazy. He had he set a career high in total expected points added, which – is just like the best statistic out the best advanced stat out there that just like adds the right context um or just adds the most context of any other stat basically and so it's wild that he had like a career day efficiency wise and had all of these like huge drops i mean well the kirk one was pretty deep too but like the ridley one would have been a 30 yard touchdown so obviously that would have like spiked up his numbers even more but then even like getting completions on the short one to Engram, the short one to Dearness, the medium one to Kirk, like would have just buoyed that up. So, it is there um, something to? I think we'll chat. Go ahead. Is there something to Lawrence? Just I don't know. I feel like every quarterback is a rhythm quarterback, but like him especially, it feels like once he gets hot, like during the season. 
he just like kind of stays in that zone. Like we saw it last year with the games against the Ravens, uh, the Raiders, the Titans, the Cowboys. And then these last two weeks are probably like, I'd say like the two best games he's played. Honestly, the last four games, probably three of the best games he played has come in them. You know, if you count the Steelers game, obviously the 49ers game is was terrible, but I don't know, man. Three out of the last four weeks, yeah. he's played really good football. And I think like, I, I, I don't want to call it like late season Trevor, but I don't know. Second year in a row where it seems like, like just a, a switch gets flipped once they get to near November and, I don't know if there's something to that. Like he just gets more comfortable as the season goes along. Maybe it's he's more comfortable with Ridley now. But whatever reason there is, he's playing his best. You know, like the team in general is playing their best football right now. But that's also because he is. And it is very funny that after everybody spent a week basically throwing Press Taylor to the Wolves, that the Jaguars have had probably their two best offensive games since. Yeah, he's been cooking. I think the like if you had to narrow down to one reason, it's the offensive line, just because obviously they didn't have a very good performance against the Niners. And then as you put it, like Lawrence has only taken one sack in the past two weeks, and the one sack was barely even really a true sack. Yeah. But I think also like like you can look at like the sack numbers and those are good, but also just like looking at the plays that they're calling, it seems like so much more diverse than it was just a month ago. We talked a lot last week about how like play action really opened up the playbook a little bit for the Jaguars against the Titans. And then it was the same thing this week, but then it was like, I don't know, play action, screens. The RPO obviously didn't work in Trevor's one interception. But I don't know. I feel like in both like the passing and running game, it's been a lot more diverse and they've been able to kind of just like hit different buttons. I think a big reason for that is like, just that the offensive line has kind of grown more comfortable together. And then, like, the cherry on top, I guess, or, like, the exclamation point to that is the fact that Cam Robinson left the game in sometime in the first half. I think it was the first quarter and didn't return with a knee injury. So then Walker Little slides to left tackle, and Ezra Cleveland slides into left guard, and there's pretty much no drop-off whatsoever. So that's obviously big time. The greatest bulky ball of them all. That, 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 they, like, there doesn't even need to be a bulky ball today because we saw it yesterday. You know, oh, starting left tackle goes down. That's fine. Yeah. That's fine. Yeah. I, I, look, okay. Here, would you rather have 32 six round picks or the Jaguars offensive line depth from yesterday? 32 yeah. six round yeah. picks? Yeah. Um, the offensive line depth. There you go. That's bulky ball. That's bulky ball, man. An entire round of six round picks <laughs> isn't worth what they got out of the offensive line yesterday. Tell, tell me I'm wrong. Tell me I'm no, wrong. No, no, no. You're right. It's just that sometimes you like throw me because <laughs> it's, it's like it's so insane that you just like throw me with uh, the prompt sometimes. I yeah, no, hundred percent. No, you're right. Once I think it through, you're yeah, you get bulky balled. <laughs> I. I, I... I don't know. It's it's a dumb argument to make because Cam got injured on the second drive of the game. But I was going to say, I almost think the offensive line looked better <laughs> with Cleveland. It, it Dude, the broadcast said like four times, it's like yesterday, like, yeah, Doug Peterson says they think Little's a tackle. And I'm like, yeah, he obviously is. Right. Probably shouldn't be playing guard. <laughs> like, like It's just become very clear over these last few weeks that Little is a left tackle. Cleveland is a left guard. And I know Cam Robinson obviously brings a ton – 
to them in terms of intensity and leadership, et cetera. But like it, it, the big thing is the fact that, you know, Peterson said today that they, he basically gave zero information on Robinson's knee. I know. I was going to ask if you had like any kind of pulse on it because based on Cam's reaction on the sidelines and then the fact that he was ruled out for the game, I was assuming major injury. But then today, I, when Doug was so non-committal about it, I'm like, oh, maybe it's like he could actually come nah, back. I, I, I think just reading the tea leaves, like he escaped major injury. I think the fact that he came back to the sideline, like I think – I mean, he's just an emotional guy, you know. I mean, middle middle of the game, biggest game of the year to that point, probably just absolutely didn't want to come off the field. So I think that's probably more what it had to do with. But it's crazy that they can potentially lose their starting left tackle for an undetermined period of time, and it doesn't really matter. That's <laughs> like, kind of completely a blip on their radar because they have that depth that, you know, maybe at the moment feels like, you know, at certain moments feels like overkill, kind of like when they drafted Walker to begin with. But then, one like we talked about last year, how they don't go to the playoffs if they don't have that offensive tackle depth. I mean, it, it's showing up again this year, you know. So for all the criticism the offensive line has faced, you know, some credit to them for throwing resources at it, even during the season to kind of cover all of the bases and, yeah, that, that that was the greatest bulky ball of them all. It's 3D chess. Oh, left tackle gets hurt. Time for Trent to look like a genius. <laughs> Time for Trent to look like a genius. That's right. Yeah, I mean, and then the, the flip side, it's like, I mean, we'll get to the defense in a few seconds here, but, like, the Jags keep seeming like they have a pass rush problem, and it keeps, like, not really mattering that much. And, like, as we've always said, like, the pass rush problem will, like, mostly matter once we get to the playoffs. But it's definitely, like, looking like a good move by Balky at the deadline to focus more on offensive line than the defensive trenches. So is the offense fixed, or is this just a short-term kind of explosion where they're just playing good ball against teams they're familiar with? Yeah, I think it's a little bit, little bit of both. Like, I think, like, this week against the Bengals – I don't know. Like, I don't really know what to expect right now before like diving into it because, like, on one hand, I know Big Lou is like one of the best defensive game planners in the league, but the Bengals defense has also been like getting pretty torched recently and have led up a ton of explosive plays. And obviously, that's what the Jags have been doing really well recently. So it'll be interesting to see in that game whether like was it like just the fact that you were facing like the Texans, Texans and the Titans. Now that you're up against Big Lou, like they'll cool off a little bit. Um, but I think, I think if like they continue to do what they've been doing the past two weeks against the Bengals, even though their defense isn't as good this year as it was last year, then we'll be able to be like, okay, this is like a legit turnaround and look out for the Jags offense, not just their defense. Calling him big Lou kills me, by the way. It's, (laughs) it's a, it's a good bit. So I think Ben Solak with the ringer tweeted this out, but the last two weeks have been like the biggest weeks the Jaguars have had in terms of intended air yards. So basically these have been the two weeks that they've been pushing the ball more. And I don't think it's a coincidence that that comes on the heels of Doug Peterson saying that he, in a press conference after 49ers lost, that he thinks they can be more aggressive with that. Mm-hmm. What do you think is the biggest reason they've been able to push the ball more? Is it the offensive line playing better? Is it Trevor playing better? Is it Zay Jones and his, you know, one catch for 10 yards making making the uh, impact? Like, what is it to you that 
is the reason that the offense has finally started to let it fly a little bit downfield because that, those first like two months or so of the season, it just it you know that literally it felt like there was like zero desire to push the ball downfield, and I know a lot of that probably had to do with you know the offensive line, but. Yeah, I think a lot of it has to do with, like, getting personnel into the right place. Like, we saw this for the Jaguars last year when they moved Darius Williams from the nickel to outside cornerback. And, like, it's definitely a generalization. But, at, like, after they did that, all of a sudden the Jaguars' defense started playing. And so I think now what you've seen is personnel moves in the offensive line as we just covered with, like, Walker playing left guard and then moving out to tackle once Kane went down and now having Ezra Cleveland. So now that you kind of like, now that Walker's gone a little bit healthier and you have Ezra in the building um, and then also that they're like using Calvin Ridley just more better is maybe, maybe the biggest one. And like, it's funny that I don't think Zay Jones's return has like actually had that much of like a direct influence. I think like his return just kind of like happened to have an influence and it was more of like, the offensive line getting healthy had a bigger impact than Zay Jones getting healthy. But, like, he's been used, like, out of the slot more. He's been used, like, over the field more. Uh, it really felt like 90% of his routes were just, like, straight up or near the sideline in the first month or two of the season. But now it feels like he's been used pretty much all over the place. And I think part of that is that, like, like he and Lawrence have definitely, like, built their chemistry up throughout the season. But I think the Jags – coaches have also like just done a better job of like understanding where they can use him and like I think kind of like how we were talking about last week just Stroud and like this second game was easier now that they had a bunch of film um like it's almost easier like from the other side where it's like when when you only have like a new star receiver for the first two or three games like especially in his case, since he had almost two years off from the game of football, like you can't expect him to do everything immediately. And so you got to figure it out as you go along. And so it definitely was a little bit frustrating that it took this long for like Ridley to kind of like start producing like a true number one receiver every week. But I don't know. We did get to that point. So that's nice. That route on his touchdown at the uh, goal line Mm. was – that, that was sick. You know, that's – go go and find it if you can. I think Dan Orlovsky had a nice breakdown of it. Like, that is number one receiver stuff. That route that he had against Derek Stingley on, I think it was in the second half on like a – Oh, yeah. Game. On like, yeah. like a 10-yard out. That was awesome. Yeah. I yeah, mean, but the touchdown was uh, – just the touchdown was a good example of like good coaching and play calling by press because they ran a similar play last week. And honestly, they've run like a similar red zone concept – Going back to training camp, we watched run and out going like outwards in the end zone at two different depths. And so they like got that for a score with Ridley last week. And then this week, like Ridley broke it. So we're kind of finally seeing what it looks like for a star wide receiver to be schemed up well. Yeah, no, 100%. And y'all, you know, I, I, I thought yesterday was Press Taylor's. Best game of the year, too. You know, I thought press, yeah, especially that first half was very much, you know, like in his bag, coming up with, you know, good concepts to really stretch uh, Houston both vertically and horizontally. 
They got Lawrence out the pocket. He stuck to the run, even though the running game wasn't there at all. Like I think ETN had 56 yards and 20 carries, and like 20 of those yards came on one run at the end of the game. So he did a good job, I thought, of not getting away from the run. Maybe that's where like he's right. learned his biggest lesson in the last few weeks. Uh, so you would say that Trevor's three best games this year are the last two weeks in the Buffalo game, right? Those are the only games this year he's had an average depth of target over nine yards. So it's very clear mm-hmm. that, like, the more they push, like, the more aggressive they are, the better quarterback he just, you know, like, he just is. Like, Pretty clever. Yeah, man. Like, he, he, Let Trevor cook. He, he I, I, I get it. I, I, I get what they were doing with the offense that first, you know, half of the season, but. Turning him into Alex Smith is not how you're going to win with this quarterback. You know, like it, it, it just isn't. You know, you, you have to let him be him and, you know, be the aggressor. My last thing I want to talk to you about, what were your thoughts on, you know, the not the decision to go for it at the end of the first half? Because I feel like most people, like the consensus said, they would have gone for it. But what are your thoughts on that specific play call? Because I will say – at another point in the game, the Jaguars had the ball at the one-yard line, and it took them like five plays to score because they needed the flag, and then they didn't score until third down anyways. Right. Have you ever trusted a team less to gain a yard? Honestly, no. Like, like, like there a ton of talent on the offense, uh, freak at quarterback, but we, I, when they have the ball at the one-yard line, I have no idea how they're going to score other than Lawrence just leaping over. So, what, like, what are your thoughts on that issue? And than that just whole play in general. Yeah, I kind of thought that, like, the running game would need to improve, like, especially just being able to, like, have the running back put his head down and charge behind the offensive lineman for a yard or two. Like, getting good at those types of, like, ugly plays and ugly runs is, like, how I thought the Jags would end up being able to succeed in the red zone. And we just, like, haven't really seen that yet. It feels like they're, like, barely even running, too. It's like they kind of know where their bread isn't buttered and they know that that's a little bit of a weakness for them. And so like, they're just kind of letting Lawrence, letting Lawrence let it rip in the red zone. Um, Yeah. I I don't, I don't know what they're going to do until like tank Bigsby becomes the player that they keep saying that he is muted. You're muted. Johnny boy, John, you're muted. Sorry, that was my, <laughs> was my gene error. Sorry. You're going no. off there. Wow. Yeah. No. <laughs> I was gonna say, like, like, even like, they had a whole like spiel this week about how you know they think Tank's turning a corner and they have confidence in him, and then he gets one carry <laughs> in the game. Like, it's clear they only want him to play like first and down, and maybe some second downs. But I, I'm with you. Like, you literally drafted the guy for those situations. Like, eventually. I, part of me dings the play call because it, it kind of felt obvious that's what they were going to do when they broke the huddle. And, like, Houston was clearly, you know, ready for it immediately. The other part of me, though, we've seen that exact play call work at different times this season. Like, I, I think that's that was the same play that they got their two-point conversion on against the Steelers. But ultimately, you know, I – 
I just I don't know what the solution is because it seemed like they thought the solution was just get a more physical running back, and that clearly has not been the case. I know he has two goal line touchdowns this year, but I don't know. I I don't think they in their right mind could have put him in the game in that situation because I, I I don't think like even if it worked, I don't think anybody would have said that was a good idea. So I don't know. It's a it's a tough one to figure out, but I definitely feel like like in terms of the offense improving by leaps and bounds, that's like the one area right now where they're still like, then pass catching drops are like the two big ones. You mentioned drops earlier. How many, how many drops do you think they had yesterday? Uh, I mean, we counted four at this. Yeah. Uh, PFS PFF has them with four, which I think I think is fair. I, I think it's fair. So, yeah. I mean, uh, the only thing one I thought was like questionable was the Dearness one because he had to reach his hand out, but it still did hit him in the hand. It, in terms of Trevor, I thought again, like going back to our earlier point, I thought there were only two throws that he should want back from that game. One of them was a second and goal play where it looked like he had Luke Farrell open and he just hesitated and held the ball like for a tick. Oh, yeah. Threw it, threw it a little bit late. I, I think Farrell probably still could have caught it, but ultimately he should have made it easier on him. Like the defender never should have been over there. And then on the last drive of the game, on a play action rollout, he had Farrell for a first down and threw it just behind him, like just a little bit late. And hmm. the, the nickel broke it up. So, But I thought other than those two plays – I don't know if there's a throw off the top of my head I think Lawrence should want back. It was an unbelievable performance. Honestly, maybe my best throw of the day or my favorite throw of the day was uh, the screen pass to Dearnest. I'm pretty sure because I think it was like off play action and then a little bit of pressure in his face, and he like floated it over multiple offensive linemen before Dearnest even turned his head around. So like <clears throat> it was just really impressive and cool to see the amount of touch on that pass after we saw him like throwing missile launchers the rest of the afternoon, especially that one to Lidley where uh, I think it was Stingley who like couldn't get the hand on it. And he just like fit it in between the defender, like almost like the Colts one. I was, I was talking to my friends about this. They were like on that type of pass. Are you like telling Trevor to like, that's a good pass or that's a bad pass? I don't know. <laughs> I, don't know. <laughs> I decided it's a good pass. Cause he has like the arm strength to do it. But I, like, if I saw a Gardner Minshew complete that pass, I would say, don't you ever attempt that again? <laughs> you're not wrong. That's where, you, you, that's where I went. Yeah, no, you're not wrong. Uh, Gus, anything else on the offense? Let's get to defense. Uh, we're going to take a quick break and we'll be right back. <coughs> All right, Gus. Props to Mike Caldwell, man. Again, I feel like we say this literally every week. I, I know. CJ Scrub, three touchdowns. He had over 300 yards, like probably nearly 350 scrimmage yards. And I still felt like it was a really good game. <laughs> Mike Caldwell, dude. Like maybe that's like the standard that CJ Stroud has earned so far because. So I thought Lawrence was better than Stroud yesterday, but I thought Stroud was really freaking good. Like, I, I, I thought he was really freaking good. I definitely agree that Lawrence was better yesterday. I thought Stroud played better in week three than he did yesterday. Ooh, really? Yeah, you think that's a hot take? I He looked 
good yesterday, but like not as good as he, as he could have been. I don't know. Cause like, like missed in, a couple deep throws. Yeah, missed a couple deep throws. And like obviously, like it's hard to tell like what he could have done differently just by watching from the broadcast angle, especially with like how much how often the Jaguars like put a bunch of bodies into coverage. Then it's like there's probably there might not have just been any answers for him, and that's why he held on to the ball and like scrambled some. But I also like would have liked to see a little bit more playmaking from him, honestly, just with how much time he did have. Like, I feel like he probably could have been quicker to scramble and kind of like ruin the Jaguars just playing that way a little bit. And like, I don't know. He, he didn't like really attempt that many tight window throws. He and Trevor both averaged like 13% tight window throw on the season. According to next gen stats, but on Sunday mm-hmm. it was 15% for Lawrence and then for Stroud. And so like, he definitely made some awesome throws, but like all, like all the like great throws that I remember him making were not necessarily into like tight coverage. Like it wasn't like the type of throw that like Trevor made or Ridley on that one route that you just described, where it was like a ten yard in then out against Derek Stingley, and like there was just like one spot where the ball could go. So I don't know. I I thought Stroud was like good, but not like I was I was definitely more impressed by his week three showing. Yeah. And that, I don't know. I feel like they asked him, like he had to do more this week. I feel like there were easier plays for him to get in week three than there were this week. I feel like, like mm-hmm. the degree of difficulty was turned up a bit this week. I mean, one of his best plays was negated by a penalty that like 60 yard bomb to Tank Dell. I, don't, I, I personally think he was better this week, just like because the, it, the Jaguars' pass rush was actually there this week. This was the best the Jaguars' pass rush has looked, in my opinion, all season. Their interior defensive line, you know, we've talked about it on here several times, has struggled this year. But here, here's the pass rush win rates from PFF from yesterday. Josh Allen, 15.6%. Great showing. Trayvon Walker, 3.3%. Moving on. Lord Robson Harris, 18.5%. One of his best games of the year. Foley Fadakasi, 23.1%. His best game of the year. Adam Goff says 17.6%. His best game of the year. Like They literally got the best pass rushing performance out of their entire interior defensive line individually and as a whole than they had all season. And you could tell that was flustering Stroud. You could tell like the different looks the Jaguars had. We both talked about it, how, you know, maybe the Jaguars strategy this week should be to not blitz. And we, we did see them blitz some. Like on third down, I, I didn't think they blitzed much on early downs, but they did a lot of, and D'Amico said this after a game, he was like, they did a lot of drop eight stuff, which is, you know, rush three, drop eight in coverage. That Yeah, exactly. That confused him. And I thought Stroud was at his best when the Jaguars were bringing extra blitzers. So by Caldwell, you know, like they forced punts on each of the Texans' first three series. They forced a turnover on downs near midfield with like 10 minutes left in the game you know, forcing completions on third and one and then fourth and one. And then the sacks that they got, you know, at the end of the game, like that, it, it was great calls, you know, from the defense. I thought that it was a one of Mike Caldwell's best games as Jaguars defense coordinator in general, which is weird because <laughs> Stroud still put up numbers. But right. I, I, it, it was impressive. And I thought, 
you know, obviously the hero of the game to me is Josh Allen. They don't win that game without that Josh Allen performance. I don't think. Mm-hmm. I like it literally remind me of game time in Portland, like the way he just like turned it up in the fourth quarter. There was especially like because in basketball, it's fun because like players will like take over games and do a lot in crunch time and like a 40 second span sometimes. And then like NFL games are kind of like spread out a little bit. Like sometimes like it'll take 30 minutes to like finish the last two minutes of a game. So like that's why it was so cool to see Josh Allen like take the game over the way that he did. It's because like you just don't really see that as much in football. And so I definitely agree that they wouldn't have won without Josh Allen. And the game plan and like outcome reminds me a lot of the Bills game back in week four because like Josh Allen had a really good performance then, like statistically. But if you watch the game, you knew that like the Jaguars' defense kind of had his hand for most of the contest. But I say most because like I think in both of these games, especially, but like also just for the whole season in general, like Caldwell has shown just how good of a in game um game planner he is or in-game adjuster that he is because usually the Jags start off great and like force a couple punts in a row like they did against the Texans this week and against the Bills and then like we saw in both games the offense will kind of like make some of their own adjustments and be able to like come back which is expected because their offenses are such high powered with such good quarterbacks but then again in both of these games we like we saw the Jaguars defense get the job done late and kind of like come back with adjustments of their own. And so I think like the fact that they're so good in the first and fourth quarters, especially like really help out uh, the team. Is Josh Allen the defensive player of the year candidate to you at this point? I, I think he is. I, 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 I think that, you know, 12 sacks, 22 quarterback hits, I think 10 tackles for loss among the league leaders and pressures and win rate. I, I know obviously you don't hand out the awards based on that, but, it's like looking at his, you know, resume. The the forced turnovers are there. Uh, he's playing for a good team. You know, if they right. continue to get if they continue to get hype over these next few weeks, like is he like a, a Miles Garrett in a shoulder sling right now? If they continue to win games, hmm. is he a legit candidate for you know defensive player of the year? Absolutely. I think I I feel like the winning games thing doesn't really matter as much for, like, defense players of the year as much as it would, like, MVP or something like that. But I don't know. Like, it seems like he's going to be on a top four playoff team on a top eight-ish defense and, like, inarguably the best player on that defense. So I I think, like, absolutely. I'm Like, I won't say that he's, like, should be the favorite or even, like, the runner-up, but I think he should absolutely be a candidate. Yeah, I mean – like just off the top of my head, I know TJ Watt will get votes because he gets a ton of sacks, etc. Michael Parsons will probably get votes. I'm not sure. Like other than Garrett, I'm not sure really who who there is that's like right there in the running this year. So I I absolutely think that it's a possibility for him, which is crazy to say. I mean, th- there was a point like six months ago, guess that people were freaking out that this dude wasn't showing up to voluntary practices, and now he's two and a half sacks away from breaking the franchise single season record, there's a better chance of him hitting 20 sacks this year than there is of him not breaking the franchise single season record. He's now second all time in franchise and sacks to, to me, like uh, Trevor Lawrence is obviously the face and the pillow of the organization. I think Josh Allen has to be right there behind him. And I, 
you know, I've been beating this drum all year, but I I think he has to be there, Evan Ingram, this offseason to where it's it, it doesn't matter what vehicle they use, contract extension, franchise tag, it doesn't matter. He is on the team next season, no question about it. No if hands or buts. I've been wanting the Jags to get like a premier receiver for pretty much since like 2020 or 2019. Cause even in like the Minshew era, I was like, even if Minshew doesn't stick around, like you can still have that receiver for the next guy. But so like, I'm just trying to say I'm very receiver friendly as we all know with like my Ridley takes this year, but like, I, I'm like absolutely unaware. Like, even if it means that Ridley leaves the team, then like, like you have to not let Josh Allen walk out that door in the off season. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm I'm with you, and I I will say like the fact that they're seemingly starting to get more production around him. Like Trayvon didn't have a good day in terms of efficiency. Like he didn't have any many high quality wins, but he still had six pressures yesterday, a career high I think for him. Mm-hmm. Robson Harris had a season high in pressures, so did Chase on. It seems like Levon. I feel like it was his best game. Uh, man, he he has CJ Stroud in hell on one play, man. <laughs> he he's yeah. the ball. He he's like one player that like every time you're like just starting to forget about him, he like reemerges and like makes some kind of like wacky play, and then you're like, oh yeah. I don't forget. I don't forget. <laughs> uh, so, I guess my question to you is like. From this point on, like the rest of the season until the playoffs, it, the arrow can only point up for the defense, right? Like the only starting quality quarterback they play the entire rest of the season is Lamar Jackson. Baker Mayfield stinks. Bryce Young stinks. Will Levis stinks. Yeah. Jack Browning stinks. Uh, yeah. PJ Walker and DTR, they stink. Like it's literally like it's not that Lamar Jackson's the only great quarterback they play left. He's not even the only good quarterback they they he's the only NFL quarterback yeah. that they have on the rest of the schedule. Yeah. It's crazy. And like I it stinks that they lost Mark Andrews, but like that makes him a little bit less of a threat. And like, I mean, Zay Flowers looks awesome and Odell looks better than I thought, but like he's not gonna even have his full arsenal. And then obviously the Browns and the Bengals aren't going to have their two starting quarterbacks that they had the beginning of, of the season. So, yeah, the, the Jags are set up pretty well. I think that's probably, like, my favorite reason for, like, why Josh Allen is a good defensive player of the year candidate is because, like, there's a good chance he's able to just, like, rack up sacks against, like, the Bryce Youngs and big Browns of the world. Yeah, it's like some bad offensive lines, too. Like, again, Orlando Brown's a bad left tackle. Icky in Carolina hasn't been a good left tackle. We know the Titans situation. Uh, Like, Ronnie Stanley has been up and down, you know, because injuries have kind of really hampered him in in recent years. The only good left tackle Josh Allen plays the rest of the year is Tristan Wirfs. I forgot he moves to the left side. Yeah, Yeah, he he is good. So, I'm I'm with you. I I think this – Defense and Josh Allen, especially, like have the opportunity to feast at it, a lot like the end of the year last year, where they faced some bad quarterbacks at the end of the year to kind of yeah. propel. I just remember, like I, I remember like thinking like how fluky that was, and like oh, you're not going to face like a schedule that easy again. But it's like, I mean, this NFL season in general has been so weird with all the mid quarterback play and all the yeah. injuries. But yeah, it's wild. They are. They're set up for success. They're they're in the driver's seat too, though. I think ninety nine percent chance to make the playoffs according to the times. 
Uh, and that's that's based on like several like hundred thousand simulations. I like. I I'd love to see the simulations to have them not making the playoffs. Like I just want like what exactly has yeah. to happen? <laughs> <laughs> that'd be that'd genuinely be interesting. That'd be fine. Yeah. No. Absolutely. Well, one last thing before we move on to game balls, etc. I know we've done it a lot in recent weeks, but. I want to give Devin Lloyd his flowers. He made several tackles yesterday that prevented big plays. Like the Texans had zero running game, but Devin Lloyd was a big part of that. He had a lot of plays near the line of scrimmage. Like it, it went from last year, it was almost a shock when he did make the tackle on first attempt to this year. He's become like almost automatic and the, the missed tackles are just way down. I thought Devin Lloyd had a fantastic game yesterday. I agree. Yeah, I, I feel like the whole defensive line deserved a shout out, which you already gave them, and then Devin Lloyd too. And yeah, I got nothing else to add. They did that. I got, without I, got, the I, got, I got my. <laughs> and, yeah, Jeremiah. And they did it without the Led better, man. Led led. Ledbetter turned it up some. No, I, I was like saying, like, they did all of that, too, without Devon Hamilton, who I know Hamilton hasn't looked like himself this season, et cetera, but it, regardless, it just, it has not seemed like a defensive line that was ready to not have him, the like, the first half of the year toward the last two weeks. It seems like they haven't missed him, which is wild because he was, you know, he still is a good football player. Obviously, he's working himself back from, you know, his uh, issues, but it definitely seems like, like this defensive line has kind of been able to replace, you know, his potential impact these last two weeks, which I would have had on my bingo card. Like Jeremiah Ledbetter is like perfectly in that Corey Peters role. And I was about to say, Corey Peters last year, Jeremiah Led- Ledbetter this year. You just got bonky ball, John. <laughs> 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 he, he knows where to find the diamonds. <laughs> Diamonds right. in the rough. <laughs> That's right. All right, guys. We're going to break real quick and then we'll be right back. All right, guys. You have to give out a special teams game ball. All right. You want me to lead with special teams? Okay. First, no, the first, though, do you have any takes that you would like to share with us? Okay, takes first. I'm, I'm lifting the veil of your takesmanship responsibilities being taken away. Let's see. Mm-hmm. Okay. I've got two written down. The first one is that Trevor Lawrence will finish second in MVP voting behind Dak Prescott this year. Ooh. Ooh. Okay. That that's what I'm talking about. All right, let's go to DraftKings MVP odds. Right now, Pat Mahomes and Jalen Hurts are not tied, but they're like the two betting favorites. And then Lamar Jackson is right behind that. Pretty obvious candidates. Like they're three of the most productive passers this year on three of the teams like with the best records this year. So that makes sense. But then after that, it's like, I mean – I, I think Dak might end up winning it, which is why I said him above Lawrence because he's been, like, on a tear recently and, like, 
the Cowboys offense very clearly runs through him and not the running game, even though like mm-hmm. even Jerry Jones as recently as last year, I feel like was like, oh yeah, no, it's it still runs through Zeke. Zeke does everything for us. And then it's like, yeah, no, it was actually Dak this whole time, sun seed, which is a pretty big deal for MVP voting. So I, I think like Dak's pretty good sh- long shot. And then like other than that, it's like Tua and Brock Purdy, which is like, is anyone that has an MVP vote gonna like seriously cast it on either of them? Maybe, but I would hope not. And then I, like besides that, it's McCaffrey and Tyree Kill, which I don't know. They both like probably deserve to be candidates. But like I'm just saying, like the MVP case is like there's like not really any super obvious player. at this point in the season. So season second half of season stretch I did last year, and Lawrence has been incredible three of his last four games, especially the last two. Uh, and again, like he had his best career game efficiency wise with like three four drops. Um, so I like more than anything else though, like nothing that like nothing has really changed too much in terms of like his environment. And like I could have said like as a hot take that he was gonna win MVP before the season, but like I don't know. I I, I was working on my takesmanship. I don't I don't wanna put any takes out that I don't really mean, but like Lawrence looks like an MVP. So I'm I'm ready to say he's gonna be top two in MVP betting voting. No, I like that take. I I, I think that's a good take. I, I do think people will vote for I think Brock Purdy is going to win it, sadly. Yeah. And it'll be a sad day for the league. Uh, it'll be a sad day for the sport. Yep. <laughs> it, it, it'll be a sad day for sports in, in general. I My guess is Brock Purdy wins it. I like that take, Gus. I like it. I'll, I'll go ahead and I'll give you uh, – I'll go ahead and give you mine. Jags will finish with the one seed. Doug Peterson wins coach of the year. Hmm. Mm-hmm. I was thinking about Peterson coach of the year, but I just feel like it's tough for non first year coaches, especially because like a lot, I don't know, like I'm not saying he wouldn't deserve it if he made, if the Jags did get the one seed, but even if the Jags do get the one seed, like it, coach of the year is such a BS. Mark. If the Texans make it as the seven seed, I could see D'Amico getting it, but otherwise like, I don't know. I feel like Mike McDaniel would have won it if, like, you vote for it in, like, October 1st, which uh, – another example. Like, the Dolphins were playing insane the first month of the season. Now their offense has crashed back down to earth. They're another example of, like, why it's better to play at this time, you know, play better at this time of year. So, I'd, mm-hmm. good takes, guys. Good takes all around. All right, game balls. Mm-hmm. Start off with special teams. I want you to start off with special teams. I'll go ahead and do my special teams. I'm going to go the uprights in Houston, Texas. Yeah. <laughs> the crossbar. That's so that's good. Right. That's right. Cross you, John. Though that's a good one. I, mm-hmm. I originally was on Parker Washington, and then I knew you'd get mad. No, so I well, he had a, he had a great ball. return. He yeah, well, return. he did have a great return. It's funny because, like, we were talking last week about like how the Jags ranked first in special teams DVOA going into last week, and like how it's actually been, like, a pretty big deal, especially, like, Agnew, like, kind of swinging some games. So it's funny that, like, then after we talked about that, Parker Washington had a nice return of his own to potentially swing the game. But 
then the Jags went three and out right after that 22-yard return. So instead of my game ball goes to Logan Cook because he had two punts that landed at Houston's 9- and 11-yard line. So it was a good day. I agree with that. Logan. Uh, Defensive game ball. I'm going to go – it's got to be Josh Allen, dude. Like – don't tell me, don't you dare tell me it's Monteric Brown or it's Tyler Lacey or something like that. It's got to be Josh Allen. Who else is it going to be? Um, <laughs> my game ball is, yeah. my defensive game ball is us because we said last week on the podcast that the <laughs> Jags should drop and give. Stroud time and not blitz Stroud. And I feel like if you go back and listen to the Friday show, like we kind of like set out or like just said what the Jags were going to do. So I'm pretty sure Mike Caldwell gave the podcast a listen, made some tweaks to his game plan, and then went out there and executed. So in all seriousness, I'm giving it to Mike Caldwell because I, I like, I don't, I don't disagree with you about how Josh Allen deserves it, but I just thought like Mike Caldwell continues to show that he can game plan against like top offenses and top quarterbacks. And this was, this was one of them. So. I don't think that's a bad take. I don't think that's a bad take. And then offensively, Trevor Lawrence, obviously I'm going to go Trevor Lawrence slash press Taylor. I don't care, dude. Second week in a row, press Taylor, come get your game ball. Come on down, (laughs) put it, put it in the trophy case. Tell Zach Taylor to suck it. He doesn't have any Jaguar report game balls. I thought Press was in his Duffy, and I also thought that Trevor had one of his best games that I like of his life. Yeah, I, I'm giving it to Trevor, but like, man, both Jaguars coordinators coached their butts off. Like, I feel like the week three game, the Jaguars got out coached and outclassed a little bit, and so going into this game, I was like, I'm, I feel confident that the Jaguars have the more talented roster, and they should win like based on who has the better team but like in the last game Jacksonville's coaches got out coached a little bit and so it was definitely very good to see that they kind of like flipped the switch against a Houston coaching staff that's definitely very good in their own right yeah no I, I I'd agree with that entirely like one like the things I want to say like before we get off to is like I'm excited to watch this rivalry because I, I legitimately think it can be Hurts versus Dak, you know, Burrow versus Mahomes, Lamar versus Burrow, you know, like Josh Allen versus Mahomes. Like, I, I think Stroud versus Lawrence and the Jaguars versus Houston can be that exciting. Like, it's – Houston has all the pieces, like, to really look like, you know, one of the ascending teams moving forward. The Jaguars obviously a little bit ahead of them in terms of schedule. But, like, man, that game yesterday, like, that felt like – like, it was a playoff game. You know, it was a heavyweight fight. Yeah. It, it it meaningful November divisional football, late November football. That's what Houston fans have wanted. That's what Jacksonville fans have wanted. Like it was the 44th time those team, two teams have met, and it was only the second time that both have been over 500. That's insane. That the biggest game wild. in this rivalry's history, and I don't think it's going to stop. So I'm excited to watch this little rivalry develop. It's cool because they're what, like the – oldest in the third much success at all so it is pretty cool and also, My, yeah yeah 
Yeah, no, I'm I, I'm with you. I, I like Tennessee. I think like the future looks very bleak. I, I don't know what there is to be excited about in Tennessee for the next couple yeah. of years. Like, congrats, you're going to draft an offensive tackle in the top five. Next <laughs> 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 yeah, I'll put some. I'll put some butts in the seats. That was low key so mean. If I like happen to be a Titans fan, that would actually make me so that's, sad. That's what they have to be excited yeah. about. Like, whoopee! <laughs> <laughs> In oh, Indy, I think has like strut like Richardson's sample size was super small, but I was impressed by him. I think they can be excited for him despite potentially needing the NFL to step in in terms of <laughs> their owner. Um, yeah, I'll say two and a half exciting teams in the AFC South right now, which is about one and a half more than they normally have. Yeah, no, totally fair. I totally agree. Yeah, so. I got one last parting take for you, which is Evan Engram is a drag route merchant. What does he do, he, man? What did he, he should do? have? He should have caught his first touchdown. I said, Trevor missed him. When he had a he had a he had a rare end zone target. I missed it. I must have been yeah. on my computer or something. Trevor missed oh, him. Oh, high. The one that went over him. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, mm-hmm. that's his fault. He should have got it. <laughs> Evan Ingram is going to miss a game and we're going to see Luke Farrell and Bryn Strange step into that role and then I want you to have the same energy. Okay. That's okay. fair. But like, I, I didn't realize that you had an end zone target so I'm just like sitting to myself sitting here to myself and like Doug was so good at like scheming stuff up for Zach Ertz and Philly. It's like even though like the Tight end I mean, carryover narrative. You can at least like do something for Engram if you think he's worth it. So I guess yeah, I guess not, good for you, Evan, earning your first end zone target of the year last week. The the tight ends had eight catches for 104 yards yesterday. Uh oh, did Schultz have a big game? That's I should have. Did Schultz have a big Schultz game? Again. Did he play? All right. Okay. Wait. What? Probably he had one catch for two yards. What was your Schultz take? Let me drop one. Uh, like, I tried to do a balky ball on you of like, would you rather have paid Don Schultz six million and get five touchdowns this year? No. <laughs> Zero touchdowns. No, I wouldn't have. He sucks. Yeah, no. It, it worked about as poorly the second time around. So we can just go here. <laughs> hey, Damian Pierce had a big game. He almost had, he almost averaged two yards per carry. That's, uh, that's not, that's nice for him this year. You you won the Damian Pierce thing. You don't have to keep victory lapping. <laughs> I just want you to Get keep acknowledging. I just want you to keep acknowledging it. Speaking of I Gators, here, so I'm, no, I'm, I'm not I'm not letting you off the hook. No. I'm not letting you off the hook. Speaking <laughs> of Gators, what happened in the swamp, dude? The <laughs> they're so I, good at. This gate, like 2023 Gators team, is a team I've like never seen before. In like terms of like giving you hope during the game, that's like oh, like they actually might be able to pull this off, and then like losing a close one late. It's crazy, man. It <laughs> it's crazy. I, I don't know. See, other I, than that, I thought they were going to win because I thought a Tom Petty song in the fourth quarter would make a backup quarterback vomit all over himself and. 
forcibly, you know, forfeit the game. That, that's what I've been told all season. So, <sighs> nonetheless. All right, you Johnny, know, you got that, your Gators taken. <laughs> Gators game ball, the swamp for another rousing home field advantage versus a team that isn't Charlotte. For you. <laughs> We're a basketball school. <laughs> so juicy. I'll see you somewhere. Hey, I will say, though. What's the biggest difference between UCF and Florida? Mm, higher academic standards. One of them is bowl eligible. <laughs> oh, okay. Yeah. yeah. Higher academic standards. We're talking about football here. Things that matter. <laughs> get, get your Dr. doctor. I love that line. Yeah, yeah. Get get your doctors and your scientists and all of that and your engineers and get out of here. This is a sports, this is a sports world. I got here. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Gators communications department. Don't get me started on that note. (laughs) Gus, you got anything else for us before we boogie out of here until Friday? (laughs) No, man, let's boogie. All right. Thank you guys for joining us. We'll be back on Friday to preview Monday Night Football. Until then, don't forget, Nick Casario, you've been masterclassed.